Yo, this is Mario Nofal, founder of NFT Tech. We're publicly listed now as of a few days ago with the ticker symbol NFT, and we focus on bringing access to the metaverse and NFT space, especially from a marketing side, plus building our own products. And you're listening to me with Ethan, Jeff, and Josh on the Edge of NFT podcast. What a thrill. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how our guest today is achieving massive success in multiple domains and sharing his learnings with the rest of us. And why hashtag Blender is going to be trending on Twitter very soon. And how the unstoppable train that is VaynerX continues to grow its reach. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored Spotlight episode features Mario Naufel, founder and CEO of NFT Tech, a publicly listed metaverse NFT company with the ticker NFT. Mario is a seasoned entrepreneur who founded the Athena Group of Companies, a business conglomerate of 15 plus companies that operates in more than 40 countries. This experience set the stage for his now massive influence in crypto, which includes angel investment across 100 projects or more. Mario founded IBC Group, a top-tier consultancy that has also been a top-tier incubator since 2017, having invested in and or marketed some of the industry's largest projects. Mario is also a partner at International Blockchain Legal and a world-renowned international public speaker in both crypto and entrepreneurship. Mario, welcome to Edge of NFT. What's up? What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, man, with that experience, I feel like you should be walking around with like a heavyweight belt, like a boxing champion <laughs> or like black belt. That is pretty rad, man. Yeah, you should have a lot more. I hate like being complimented. Like I ripped off my AirPods and I completely screwed up because the more you speak about me, though, I'm like getting anxious. Like, don't stop talking about me. My AirPods are completely screwed up. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, I'll add, you should have a lot more gray hair too. So, well, we'll give it to you. It was great to cross paths briefly in Davos. What a killer week that was with some epic conversations. Shout out to the guys at Blockchain 2020 for hosting a panel you were on and some panels that we were on. They did such a great job and it's great to connect with you here today, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good to see you again. Yeah. Good to have this common ground of Davos under our belts. So your background in business investing, as I mentioned, extensive, and this is even before founding NFT Tech. Can you take us on the founding journey of NFT Tech, if you want to throw in any of your previous founding fits in? How did this all come together? Yeah, man, I got into crypto back in 2017, and I knew, like, I'm very direct about how I do things. And I tell you when I'm pretty shit at something and when luck plays a role, et cetera. So I got into crypto in 2017. I didn't know anything about ICO hype back then. I just found out blockchain was really exciting and everyone was talking about Bitcoin. I wanted to get into Bitcoin in 2014. I should have bought it, but some my accounting team screwed up. So I never got exposure to it, even though I thought I did. So I got into it in 2017 thinking I owned Bitcoin. I didn't find out till 2020 that I didn't have any. And I got into it in 2017, no clue what to do. I'm an e-com guy and you know, I've built companies that still exist today in the e-commerce world, as you mentioned earlier. And I'm trying to understand the space and I came up with a concept that I now call drop servicing. I don't teach a course or anything. I just like to call it that. And essentially, I get people that know what to do. I know how to run a business. I get people that know how to do the work, that understand the space and put them together, build a system and launched IBC. Blue Up became one of the biggest consulting agencies in 2017 and one of the few to survive till today, pivoted to marketing from consulting to just marketing and now is a pretty big incubator and accelerator. So that's how I got into crypto. And then NFT tech that went public in Davos. You know, when I was in Davos, where we met Josh, I met you and the team, NFT tech went public that day on the Neo stock market. And, and now today's going public in Europe, funny enough. That was founded with me and two other co-founders. And uh, we got the NFT ticker, took us a year and a bit to go public. And then we listed on one of the worst periods for the space, which is okay, because the money's in the next bull run. Something in crypto that I learned the people that made the most money in the last two years are people that planted the seeds back in 2017, 2018, 
And the people that will make money in crypto next time are the people that are planting seeds right now. Totally. And one of the cool things about it is that what everyone knows, that's kind of like the secrets out of the back, right? So in Davos, no one's like complaining about the market. Everyone's just chilling like, hey, I'm building. And that's really exciting because like whatever happens next is going to be even 10x more epic than what happened over the last year. Yeah. And most people in Davos, <laughs> they, you know, rooms in Davos were like for a small cubicle, Wahid from Faith and one of our projects that we're incubating. He showed me his room. I did a video about it, his hotel room. It's like a small cubicle. He's paying tiny, tiny. And he was paying $7,000 a day. Gaurav, my other friend who owns TDFi, is paying $30,000 a day. The reason I say this is that people that are in Davos, generally, they're pretty well off. So I want to empathize with everyone that were holding the bags or came in late and that got screwed by the correction. But anyone that's been in the space since the early days, as you know, Josh, as you, Jeff and Ethan, you know, we've seen this before. For us, this is exciting because now we can just buy a lot of cheap shit. Everything's just cheap. Nice. I have to sort of emphasize, they say location, location, location in real estate, but there's also like time, 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 because a friend of ours got like an incredible room for $250 at one of those hotels after the convention was over, right? Like as long as the activity is not happening there, you can chill at Davos and have quite a life inexpensive visit. <laughs> the same room that Wahid that I gave an example, that one, when I checked it on the website, less than $200. Because that day, it was whatever, six, $7,000 a day USD. But you said something about time, time. I thought you're going to go down a different path, the importance of timing in business. So I kind of lit up. But man, timing, I talk, if you listen to my podcast, I obsess over the concept of timing. I think not many entrepreneurs talk about it. There's a great video. If anyone listening right now, um, you want to thank me? It's nothing to do with me. Go on YouTube and write Bill Gross, G-R-O-S-S, TED, T-E-D. And you listen to a speech about timing and the research he did. Timing is the most important factor for a business's success based on his very in-depth, very comprehensive survey. So yeah, that's a different, I'm pivoting away from the discussion, but it's an exciting topic. No, it most definitely is, man. And NFTs also, right? And we're talking about NFT tech and this amazing project that you're building and just gone public and we're so excited about it. But let's take a step back for a minute and talk about like the moment when you realized that NFT was going to be a game changer for you. Like, what was that? I'm such an idiot, man. Like, I remember Decentraland being invited to invest in the private round. I thought it was a gimmick. I'm such an idiot. And then CryptoPunks, when someone's trying to convince me, I ended up buying one at really expensive price. I bought two. But in the early days, I just ignored them. It didn't click because no one told me NFTs are just the concept is purely digital ownership. If someone said to me, if someone said to me, and I define the, the NFTs, what they mean around the world, I travel the world and I explain it to everyone. I do podcasts every day, mainly non-crypto podcasts, and I have to explain what NFTs are. Almost everyone thinks they're collectibles and art. But for me, this is so boring. I don't want to offend anyone. So boring relative to what NFTs actually mean because NFTs are digital ownership. I own these glasses. I own these AirPods, this phone. Now the concept of ownership, decentralized ownership, like the real ownership, not if a company says you own something, now it's possible on the web. If someone said this to me in 2017, I'd be so much richer. I would have bought like every CryptoPunk I could see because then it would make sense, but it didn't click. No one explained to me what NFTs are. And to this day, it's unfortunate. If you just don't understand what they are, you wouldn't be that bullish on them. But when you understand what they are, maybe you wouldn't be too bullish on the art and collectibles and you think that's hyped up. But what about in-game assets? What about someone's identity, someone's medical records? The list goes on. Everything you own in the physical world, you can own an equivalent or something similar in the digital world. And then you'll be like, people are betting on pictures right now. Later, they'll be betting instead of top shot videos, they'll be betting on watches. A watch could be turned into an NFT. You can flip anything as an NFT, purely digital ownership. So you're flipping things instead of the physical world, you're flipping it in a digital world that has a lot more liquidity and fortunately and unfortunately is relatively deregulated or unregulated. And in the immediate term, right? I think there'll be some, some stuff coming out soon. We'll talk about like some of those markers or those indicators that maybe some regulation and some more definition is, is forthcoming. But let me push you on that, man. So it wasn't like a immediate aha thing when you first heard about NFTs. If people just weren't conveying it to you in a way that was resonating. And a lot of people had trouble with it, dumbing this thing down into a single word or a single phrase, a single sentence that captures people's interest. But for you, where was that threshold, man? Like, when was it that you realized through the culmination of these conversations that there was actually something there? And it was as simple as, wait a minute, this is digital ownership. And these are the implications of that. 
last year, it kind of clicked when I met one of a pretty big punk whale. Uh, he's a good friend now, an advisor to NFT tech. He's anonymous, but he started telling me what the value behind CryptoPunks. I got obsessed. I started talking about it. You know, I had a TEDx speech about CryptoPunks. I, I talked about it in a few events. The first one was in Dubai. So that's when I really got obsessed. But I've never flipped NFTs. My company, not NFT Tech, IBC has an NFT incubator. So we incubate some of the biggest projects and you can see it on the website. So I have a team that does incubate NFT projects and they're obsessed with it. I mean, they're completely obsessed in the space. For me, what turned me off is I just saw the same thing as 2017 happening again. And I hated the ICO hype. I made a lot of money off it. I'm just being honest because a lot of projects and we only accepted fiat. We didn't take any tokens. But I just hated how easy it was to make money. And I didn't think it would happen again. And when I saw it happening with NFTs, I just wanted to keep staying away. I'm like, it's not going to last. 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 I kept ignoring it until like, all right, it's going to last. And then I realized that it's not just pictures. It's not only people betting on those picture prices going up or down, profile pictures or collectibles or art. It's other than the fact that there's going to be some blue chips that will be worth something decades from now when people reflect on NFTs when back you know, today's it's a term later, no one will think about it. The same way the first gun in the world is sitting in a museum, the first car in the world is sitting in a museum, the first few NFTs like a crypto bank will be sitting in a museum. But other than that, what really clicked with me is I realized that NFTs is just an infrastructure to build a business. Initially, you have to build a business through a physical shop. Later, there's been a few alternatives of this. Franchising became a kind of a model to build a business. Then the web became a model to build a business. Now, NFTs, the ability to own an asset that allows you to exist in a community and then build a game on top of that community, build a metaverse on top of that community, build access, the ability to signal a certain identity, and then building various business models. When that clicked, I'm like, all right, now we've got something. Now I'm really excited to incubate projects and launch my own NFT project because now I see a long-term vision to this beyond flipping pictures. I see it as a foundation, completely new foundation to allow you to just build a whole empire, whole business. And I think the next step, I'm pretty confident the next trillion dollar business will be built on this or a similar foundation of either tokenized foundation or NFTs. And I think they go hand in hand in many ways. Right on. And you look at what 10,000 owners of a collection of NFTs can do in terms of valuation with the Bored Apes and other projects. It's pretty incredible. Curious, like once you had that aha moment, what kind of projects have you put in your money behind and, and done some marketing for where you got really pumped about where they were going in support of your thesis? Yeah. So I haven't invested in any NFTs beyond CryptoPunks. And I'm going to start investing. I'm waiting. So I've been saying this for a while, for a few months. I'm just waiting for blood to be in the streets. Blood in the way you've heard the saying before, when there's blood in the streets is when you should invest. I think Warren Buffett coined that quote. So I'm waiting for that. I think we're there, almost there. I think NFTs have a way to go. And then I'm going to be shopping like crazy. I'm going to be focusing on yield-bearing NFTs. In-game assets excite me tremendously, tremendously. Because I think we all know gamers are the early adopters of the metaverse, which I obsess over. And they need those in-game assets to obviously have the utility they need to participate in that metaverse. Now, a lot of them will be useless. Being an in-game asset doesn't mean the value should go up. Depends what the asset is and what the utility is. But I'm looking for yield-bearing assets that have utility. The community-based NFTs that are building, every NFT now is building a metaverse on top of their pictures and their community. And I'm excited, but I'm excited less about them than I am. So number one is in-game assets, yield-bearing assets. Number two would be collectibles and blue chips. Punks is my favorite, but they've got a few arts, the Ringers and the Fidenzas and all them. I'm not deep in that space, by the way. I've ignored it for too long like an idiot. And then number three would be the community-based ones where they're building it similar to the punks, so the apes, where you're building, starting with NFTs, you build the metaverse, you tokenize it, and then you've got that ecosystem, and then you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's how I look at the space. But that's for, I've been in the token space, so tokenized businesses significantly longer than I've been in the NFT space. And they're kind of colliding because all these token-based projects, games especially, and metaverses are launching their own NFTs. And then vice versa, NFT projects like apes, and look at launching their own coin. When you think about that yield-bearing ingredient, do you have any red flag when there's too much, right? Because I've seen like some of these highest yield things going on in the, just this pure cryptocurrency space. The hype lasts for like a month or two, and then the actual value of the underlying token just drops until it seemed like you were going to have $7 billion <laughs> after six months, and then all of a sudden you have 20. <laughs> 
from your hundred or something. Yeah. But do you have any like heuristics there that you're looking for? I say, well, it's, this is a reasonable amount or this amount makes sense because X, Y, Z. Yeah. So we all know 90, whatever, everyone loves to say 95% of projects will go to zero. Great. Okay. So how do you determine what that 5% is? Because that 5%, when you get it cheap, anyone that's looking at getting to nine figures, the easiest way, which is not easier said than done, is essentially looking for that 5% and investing early because the returns in crypto are just stupid, just complete insanity. And I've been in business for almost a decade. Now, how do you determine what that 5% is? Now, I made a speech about how to determine what the valuable NFT is or what the valuable metaverse is. And I look at it, ignoring the technology, which you have to have a team to look at the technology. We look at first the story. Let's use the first crypto. Bitcoin started with a story. If you know about the 08 financial crisis, that led to a lot of animosity towards the financial system. So that's why Bitcoin was born. You've had those anti-disestablishment, I don't know what, anti-establishments, people that hate the establishment. And they rallied around Bitcoin and the concept, the white paper behind Bitcoin before there was money involved. That was the story of Bitcoin. So community built around that story. Without that community, Bitcoin is worthless. If people didn't believe in the story, no one would buy Bitcoin unless people want to just go pump and dump. And it ends up to be a shitcoin. But the story was solid enough, built a community, and now the community gives it value. And obviously, technology has to sustain that. So then you look at NFTs, it's the same thing. The NFT has to have a story, a vision that people relate to it. Timing is important. Having the vision that apes had back in, when did the apes launch? 2020? It was 21. Let's probably like April, May or something. Yeah. I remember it, Q1 2021. Yeah. So they launched in 2021. If you have the same vision as the apes had in 2021, now timing is wrong. It's not enough. Now you need a lot more than just, hey, buy these pictures and we're going to build a community around it. It's too many. But they started with a story of what they stand for. CryptoPunks had a story, whether someone starts that story or that story builds within itself. And then that story leads to a community. And for me, that community brings value because you have the best technology. I have a company called Fruity that sells blenders and juices. And I remember there was a juicer that was made. The juicer was incredible. It's called Juicero, one of the most funded startups ever. They were a competitor. They raised nine figures, I think $200 million. They went bust about a year later. If anyone's heard of Juicero, it's a famous story in the US. Juicero had an incredible product. You can make fun of them as much as you like. I loved the product. I would have bought it if I, was, I lived in Australia. I would have bought that product. But there were no users. No one was using it. As perfect as it is, it didn't have users. A metaverse could have the best technology, but if no one's using it, it's worthless. So I look at for projects that have great tech, but also great users. That's why Axie Infinity is still number one. And then from there, I start looking at assets that have a reason to exist. When I say yield bearing, why? Why is there a yield? They have to have utility. I wouldn't like to buy land just because it's called land. I like to buy land where you can mine minerals that allow you to build a spaceship. And that spaceship allows you to travel between different planets and acquire land and build an army, whatever it is, whatever the story is in that game or in that metaverse, there's a reason to buy this land. That excites me more. Or the machinery or the spaceship itself is an NFT. That excites me more. Cool. In these metaverses that are clearly like popping up everywhere, as you mentioned, it's a big part of what you're headed into. We saw Meta over there at Davos and all the having someone from Meta over at the Polkadot house talking and it's part of a panel or something, very interesting stuff. What do you see as the business opportunities in the metaverse for the up and coming tech generation in the metaverse? I love answering this question because I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Even though I'm the CEO of a public company now, no, I love to build businesses. The public company I'm CEO of is building businesses plus investing. So I love this question. First metaverses, there'll be many of them. Some will be centralized. Perfect. No harm in that. There's a place for centralization. Some will be completely decentralized. Even better. Great experiment. And most, in my opinion, will be somewhere in the middle. There'll be many of them and they'll be in an ecosystem I call the multiverse. So I like to use the word multiverse, which is like earth or the galaxy that we live in. And then metaverses are like countries or websites. Now, when you look at the space, like oh, what can I do in this space? You have no idea how many opportunities there are because the metaverse is essentially a digital representation of the physical world we live in today. So when you look at that digital world, what can you do there? Look at the physical world. What can you do in the physical world? All right, let's say you can run events. Perfect. Run events in the digital world. You can run a club, run a club where people can flirt together in the digital world. You can do meetups. You could sell cars, sell, which is cars in the digital world will be different to cars in the physical world because physical world has physics. The digital world has code. You code physics. But you can sell assets similar to cars, sell real estate, real estate agents. There's a lot of demand for this. Designers, architects. Architects is exciting as hell. I know architects that move to the digital world, to Web3, to the metaverse, they're charging so high. It's insane because there's no competition. 
So essentially look at all the things you do in the physical world and see how that relates. You want to see you sell ad space in the physical world? Sell, I was talking to my team about this, sell billboard space in the metaverse, ad space in the digital world. So a lot of the things, especially in the early days, the digital world would be very similar to the physical world because that's how people relate to it. Over time, I think it will detach and become a world that we can't even imagine. Teleporting, breathing fire, giving babies every day. It could be anything because it's a digital world that has no physics, no limitations. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a really good point. That's our first instinct with new technologies is to apply them to the things we already know. Sometimes we actually highlight the drawbacks of them because we're comparing it to the things you already know. And then over time, we find out all the things we don't know. (laughs) And those are some of the even greater opportunities. Yeah, if you look at the internet, the internet was essentially an add-on to things we already did. Not now, ignore now. The internet was a data entry, was emailing. Oh, I don't need anyone listening to this. Just go back and listen old, funny, whatever. You search on old, funny quotes about the internet, something like that. And just listen to what people were saying about the internet back in the 90s. It's insane. It's insane. And then look at the applications in the early days. It's crazy. And then look at it now. Even cars, people are like, why do we need cars? We have horses. And people were making fun of cars. And they had reasons to do that. The roads back then were not straight as they are now because horses didn't need straight roads. So cars would always break down all the time. You had many people to help fix the car again. So it was a horrible technology. Look at them now. Decentralization, there's a lot of flaws in it, but just try to detach it from the physical world if you want to think really long-term, but if you want to make money short-term, kind of relate it to the physical world. I still remember when I made my first online bank account or investment accounts online, E-Trade or something like that. Man, these guys are going to run off with my money. Like, no idea who they are, right? (laughs) It's a totally different world now. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that feeling like, oh, these people are going to run off with my money, and you hear about different scams. If you're a third party, not bought any crypto, you haven't bought any NFTs, like, what are the kind of dangers and/or misconceptions about the metaverse and NFT land that we operate in that you would want to share with people that are out there looking in? First, I want to say to all the scammers out there, you annoy me so much. Like I've lived my life always doing the right thing. And I shouldn't be annoyed because long-term and I've done really well financially. I'm very comfortable. I've built a reputation that I've really obsessed over and I see the value in that reputation. Our plan is to be the next Animoca. To be that, people have to trust you. So I'm fine. But I always get annoyed when someone, there was a news article about someone that worked at OpenSea that has had that early access to deals. And now someone that works at Binance that gets early access to like all the projects doing an IEO on Binance I'm like, man, damn, this is unfair and I hate unfairness. But then I remember like, it's okay, Mario. In 2017, everyone that, this is really important to listen to, do the research on people that scammed in 2017. To this day, they're being chased. A very small number of people, small scammers got ignored. Big scammers got screwed. It just takes time. The SEC will catch on. Things are on the blockchain. They're immutable. People will see it eventually. People will track it down to you. Technology is catching on. So I think you should be careful. And I think you're chasing short-term returns giving up the long-term potential of being early. And I said earlier, the first company I founded in crypto, IBC, is one of the few that survived 2017 because we always did the right thing. We never took tokens because they could be securities and we didn't have a broker dealer to, to promote tokens that were considered a security. And we could have launched our own ICO. We avoided that. I had my team. Do you remember PetroCoin? Anyone remember Petro back in 2017, 2018 by Venezuela? Oh yeah, totally remember that. We were there. My business partner, I sent him to Venezuela. He was sitting next to the president. I probably have the messages there. He's like, Mario, we're about to sign the piece of paper in front of me. Should I sign it? I'm like, man, and the president is next to me. They want me to go on TV. I'm like, man, ignore that piece of paper. Leave. There's sanctions against Venezuela. It's illegal to do it. The other people with him got arrested. We avoided it. So doing the right thing pays off and look at us now and look at the other people that closed shop. Now, your question about misconceptions about the metaverse. There's a lot like, is the metaverse a fad? No, we're already living in the metaverse. Like we're having this interview on Zoom. I'm not face-to-face with you guys. All of you are on Zoom. None of you are in the same place. Most of you now, after listening to this, you'll probably go on Instagram, check if you got any new messages, check your WhatsApp, check Twitter, see the next drop. This is all a digital world. What do you do in the physical world, guys? Like, okay, you signal your identity, whether you want to wear Rolex to signal wealth, or you want to wear colorful clothes to signal certain identity, or you want to look sexy to signal that, whatever it is, you signal identity. You want to belong in a community. You want to create value, build a business. It's an instinct of us as a species. Obviously, survival, that doesn't count because you can't survive in the digital world the same way. But yeah, building community, signaling, entertainment is another one. Think about all these points. We do everything now in the digital world. Entertainment, YouTube, Pornhub, signaling an identity, Instagram photos, belonging in a community. How many groups are you part of? So 
we're already living in that world. I just call it the Web2 metaverse, and it's evolving into a Web3 decentralized metaverse that allows for ownership to exist, which now really makes it a digital representation of the physical world, because you can own things in that digital world the same way you own things in the physical world. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA, let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service soup-to-nuts and whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. One question that the audience asked while I was in Davos on a panel I moderated is, if you could do anything to a smart contract to improve life in the metaverse, what would you do? And I, for one, get super overwhelmed by all these different social channels. You got to pick one or two. But it's fun to fast forward to a place where maybe we can integrate all of this stuff into our brains through some sort of metaverse experience. And the other part of the metaverse that is sort of forthcoming is this hyper-realistic visualization, right? Our friends at Frogland that came on the show have worked on that. And then Wilder World is cooking up some incredible visualization. I'd love your perspective on where all this is going in three or five years time. Let's predict the future together. Maybe you were right. Maybe we were wrong. Who cares? It would be good to get your thoughts anyway. Yeah, people in crypto might not like my answer, but just realize I'm not saying what I want. I'm just saying what I expect. And I'm pretty objective. I don't go one way or another. I'm just a realist and see where the world goes. I just think there'll be a lot less emphasis on a decentralized metaverse, and there'll be a lot more emphasis on how immersive a metaverse is. People will start caring less about it being decentralized and want it to be more immersive, which is where Meta and others are focusing on. That's short term. I think long term, after it becomes immersive and people start using it, then we'll start looking at decentralization because now we're using it. Now we're like, all right, cool. Same way with the web. Everyone, the web launched. Everyone thought the web will lead to decentralization. It led to more centralization. And then now after decades of the web existing, we're like, I don't like giving my data away. I don't like giving so much influence to the fan companies. And then you start realizing, hey, this needs to change. There's, there's a growing movement against the concept of centralization. But I think that will take time. I think we need users. We're at 150 million users or so, maybe a bit less or more. I don't know. And which is where Facebook was in 2008, which is small, but Facebook more than doubled by 2009. Yeah. So just to play with your thoughts there a little bit, you're of the mindset that history will repeat itself. Like web one went to web two and now it's going to web three and we're sort of realizing the pains. You don't think that there's more consciousness and awareness of the pitfalls of centralizing everything and that it's going to be more about interoperability? And if so, why not? That's long-term. I'm a big fan of interoperability, but it's technologically so far away that we're still figuring out. If you talk to all these games and stuff, if you mention to them, and we're invested in over 200 companies. And when I speak to those projects, like I'm like, hey, what do you think of interoperability? Especially when it was a buzz term a few months ago. They're like, Mario, are you crazy? especially those techie guys. They're like, Mario, are you mental? 
We're trying to figure out tokenomics within our own game and making sure that doesn't flop. And that's enough of a challenge. You want me to look at how I can integrate assets from another game into my game? Interoperability is extremely complex. Interoperability in the physical world is very, very easy. If you want to wear Nike shoes to an Adidas store, and Matthew Ball gave this example. Love this guy, very smart guy. He's like, if you wear Nike shoes to an Adidas store in the physical world, it's immediately interoperable because of physics. Physics existed for millions of years. But if you want to wear Nike shoes in a digital world, in Nike metaverse is fine. When you want to move to the Adidas metaverse with the Nike shoes, it's not automatically interoperable, as you know. Adidas has to willingly link their metaverse, technologically allow you to use the Nike shoes and they can choose what utility it has within their metaverse. So it's going to be a lot harder to allow interoperability in the digital world at such an early stage. That's why I think it's going to be less of a concern. And that's why I think centralized metaverses will play a bigger role in the short term. But if you want a really long-term bet, I think decentralization is going to catch on. Not complete decentralization, but at least partial decentralization. And it's going to be a very fascinating long-term experiment. But just want to correct myself one thing. I say all the time, the human brain overestimates the short-term impact of innovation, underestimates the long-term potential. I want to add one more point to this. I always fuck up. I'm always, 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 always expecting things to take longer in crypto, and I'm always wrong. They move a lot faster than I expect. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a high-quality problem. All these aforementioned projects illustrating that, board apes and crypto punks and... <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember in, in 2017, it's like every project wanted to tokenize, Airbnb tokenized, Uber tokenized, every single business wanted to be tokenized. Now everyone wants to launch an NFT and now every NFT wants to be, have a metaverse. Yeah. Put that on your roadmap. That's an easy one to put on the roadmap. Speaking about the breadth of things right now, before we head on over to our edge quick hitters coming up, which will be fun. What is inspiring you outside of what you're doing, right? What other projects, what trends, what's going on where you're just kind of really impressed? What's inspiring me right now from a business level, I'm a big fan of Web2 companies looking at integrating Web3, especially IP. I'm really interested in looking at dead IP and reviving it through acquisition. We acquire that IP and build something out of it in the Web3 because the Web3 makes it so much more interesting and so much easier to build a community around it. So getting those Web2 companies and reviving them through Web3 and allowing that I'm excited about. Another one is acquisitions, M&As, mergers and acquisitions. So with the projects we're incubating, some of them are pretty big. Some of them are small. What we're looking is we start, especially the big ones that raise a lot of money and their names that everyone would know, we're working with them to start acquiring smaller projects, similar to how apes acquired punks and mebits. That fascinates me a lot. So these are the two things exciting me right now. That will be the two main things that excite me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think about that a lot when I, my son's at the age where he's getting into little shows, he's like four years old and he's watching Thomas the Train. And I think, man, it's fascinating how that evolved. This is a guy who wrote a book, probably, I think it was for his grandchildren or something. I don't even know if he intended on publishing, right? And now it's like, people are just expounding upon it. And there's like, they're like the kid, like the actual trains are kids, right? And they did make all these modifications and developments of all these brands. And I'm like, oh man, what happens in 20 years when he's an adult and he's like reminiscing on Thomas the Train and there's some NFT integrated thing that's involved with that, without a doubt, right? Yes, man. Look, I'm so excited about this. I took a note. If you see my laptop shake, it means I'm taking notes. And I'm actually, so I've got my team living with me here in a place next to it. And I'm actually going to message them right after this to come have a meeting because the NFT team actually lives here, the NFT incubator. So I'm going to bring them here and I'm going, guys, we need to double down on this because I've been talking about it for a while, but I haven't taken action. And anyone listening that's looked that either knows interesting IPOs doing the same thing, I'd love to just shoot the shits and talk about it because I think it's the next, I wouldn't say it's the next big hype because I don't think it's going to be any big hype for a few years. But it's the next way to create value, like long-term value. For me, it just makes sense. It kind of bridging the Web 2 world to the Web 3 world, which is what we're doing in general right now as the crypto world kind of corrects finally and all the shit kind of shakes off. We're looking at the Web 2 world like, hey, now is the time to enter this space. Now the hype is gone. Now it's time to build. Now I can give them the speech about NFTs being the foundation to build the business. I can give them the speech about how easy to build a community, build them a speech how everyone's going to have a metaverse, like everyone's going to have a website. Do you want a business idea, everyone? It's a sick idea. If you want to do this idea, please message me so I don't feel like crap and we can do it together. I really want to triple down. Go to all the websites, big websites and say, hey, we'll help you turn your websites into a metaverse. I think everyone that has a website will just want it to be more immersive. But now metaverse is sexy. So we'll turn your website into a metaverse, into a more immersive experience for the consumer. That's an incredible idea. So bridging the web two world to web three. There it is. Boom. 
spark of inspiration for sure. Mario, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for giving us those insights into NFT tech and everything you're planning. We want to shift gears a little bit, dude. We want to get your perspective on some personal questions, man, some straightforward individual questions that we like to call edge quick hitters. We're looking for short single word or few word responses, but we'll dive in a little deeper here or there. You ready to dive in on these things? Let's do this. All right. Question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? I don't know, man. I wish I could give you some sexy. I remember the first thing I ever sold were cassette tapes when I was a little baby in a very poor country. I would just put a table, sell cassette tapes. My family goes to church. My family's religious. So I go to church. I got my bag of cassette tapes, but I don't know what I bought. I just sold shit. I sold anything I can get my hands on. All right. That's all good, man. Well, that was question two. So we got it nailed. Let's go to question number three. What is the most recent thing you purchased? I buy things every day. Today, I did NAD drips. I'm deep into biohacking. You see the thing needle here. I'm very deep into biohacking. I did NAD drips. That's a significant thing. And the last thing I bought, you know what it is, Jeff, it's a bubble tea that's waiting in the fridge for me I to drink. I saw it in there in the beginning. Yeah, that's man. right, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I'm excited <laughs> for that. Nice, man. Nice. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? Probably a blender because my team keeps selling blenders. We sell hundreds a day. So probably my team selling a blender. I don't sell things personally. I believe that is the first blender that's made its way onto edge quick hitters. So mark the moment. I feel like we need to put like a QVC timer at the bottom of the screen. And you too can buy a blender (laughs) before the hours 20%. Anyone that wants to buy a blender, Google Mario Nofon and I sell you a blender. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Question number five What is your most prized possession? I like my punk and have a couple one publicly and others anonymously, because I love the concept of building a pseudo-anonymous identity. I love it. I want to build a few of them. So it's one of my crypto punks. Question number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? What do you have your eye on? A lot more crypto punks and board apes, to be honest, and a few other blue chips. I want to ape so hard into the metaverse, so hard. I want to sell things that I have. And it's not kind of not to disclose. I want to sell things that I have that no one knows about. So that I've got a few businesses that I want to sell. And if you can believe that, that would be great. Uh, to use that money to just buy a lot of in-game assets, crypto assets, a lot of land, becoming a real estate mogul in the metaverse. That's my goal for the next two years. Nice. Right on. I ran into somebody actually at Davos that I think the last time I saw him, he had like two board apes. Now, I think it's among his company. They've got 14. Very smart person. I think she's going to diversify. I don't know how much capital they're sitting on, but very smart. Like I want a DCA dollar cost average into the space over the next two years. I've got time. Right on. Pay attention, folks. This is important stuff. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Okay. Not being binary. Funny enough, that's the most common factor. One book says most common characteristic among billionaires, not millionaires. No one's good. No one's bad. Nothing's good. Nothing's bad. Nothing's right. Nothing's wrong. It's usually somewhere in the middle. And generally, people that are intellectual, they understand that. People that are not too emotional, they understand that. So look at things in crypto. Don't call everything a scam. Don't think everything is legit. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. No one crypto is bad. No one's good. What if someone rug pulled you? I'll rug pull you anytime if my brother has cancer and I have no money to support him. I don't give a shit. I'll rug pull everyone. Call me bad, but my brother has cancer. Now later, will I try to pay them back? 100%. Now I'm financially extremely comfortable, so that will never happen. But what I'm trying to tell you is like, try to empathize. Put yourself in people's shoes. Don't just judge too quickly. Right on. Question number eight, the flip side. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Too aggressive. Like I get myself in trouble a lot. So anyone that knows me, some people know me, okay, recently as you know, successful, et cetera. But in the early days when I wasn't too successful, even when I became successful, I would get too aggressive. I was on a platform called Diesel, or BitCloud. I'm very prominent there. I spend a lot of time there. I used to. In the early days, everyone on BitCloud knows this. Maya was like the person making a lot of noise. So when you come in making noise like a bulldozer, you're bound, even if you're doing well, you're bound to step on toads. In other industries, it's fine. People respect it. In crypto, it usually turns people off because everyone's wary. Anyone that's too loud, oh, you're a scam. So I would say just be more cautious if you're in crypto and don't be as excited or as, as driven or make as much noise as I used to do. Now I'm a lot calmer, et cetera. Yeah, it's funny. Like Someone said they like our show because we're even keeled, but not boring. And I think there's something to that. I agree. I actually like this. It's very different because you guys are just so chill and you go deep into things like you're actually listening. There's three of you and most of you are muted most of the time because you're actually listening. So that's a compliment to you guys. 
Right on, no air horns here, but we may incorporate them soon. We'll see. That does not preclude us from selling any blenders today, though. I <laughs> say, if you want a blender, I mean, call 1-800. Funny, I had a crypto interview probably sitting somewhere on YouTube. And then the person interviewing me was based in Australia, which is where my first company was in Australia. And he's like, yeah, I, Mario, I've had your blender for six years. I'm like, holy shit, what's up? He's interviewing me. So, yeah. Good stuff. Good quality. Good durability. Yeah, man. Last six. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I should use that as an ad. <laughs> yeah, man. It's legit. Let's pause a second and watch this blender annihilate a cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Question number nine. Okay. Easy one. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Uh, Jim, Jim. That was the thing I can mention I did before this. And last one. Question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? (laughs) Drink my bubble tea, man. It's waiting for me in the fridge. (laughs) Yeah, that's the reward, right? Right after that, I'm going to call the NFT team. Remember for the IP ID? Oh, of course, to do the IP and get them down and actually execute. I wasn't joking around. I took a note. I'm going to do it, man. Like I, I walk the talk. I walk the talk. Nice, man. Let me throw in a bonus question here. We got to do this. We're going to throw in some bonus questions. And this is above and beyond, not going to be the same every week or anything like that. I got to ask, what kind of toothbrush do you use? I'm obsessed with my health. So I have like an electric toothbrush that measures how much you brush each tooth with an app and tells me if I didn't brush one too long. And I have three of them because I keep breaking them. But that's the type of toothbrush I use. And I recommend it. It's actually pretty good. I've mentioned my toothbrush, I think, five times at least on the show. <laughs> toothbrush. <laughs> it was a little shout out to Ethan. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. That's Edge Quick Cheddars. Appreciate all the insights and sharing, dude. So I think we have a couple hot topics we wanted to touch on. Pretty relevant here. I don't know if you want to open the door to some of these bad boys. Yeah, there's a new blender out on the market. Let's talk about it. No, I'm sorry. I just... I know I shouldn't have said that. People are going to troll me now, guys. People are going to troll me. <laughs> Every post you write about Mario, hashtag Blender, please. <laughs> All right. Headline is former OpenSea exec charged with NFT insider trading. Oh, man, we've heard this type of thing from OpenSea before. Let's dive in here. Department of Justice, that does not sound good. Has indicted, that does not sound good. Former OpenSea head of product, Nathaniel Chastain, with insider trading in connection to NFTs in Manhattan Federal Court on Wednesday, Chastain was charged with one count of wire fraud and one count of money laundering. According to the indictment, Chastain was accused of buying dozens of NFTs with the prior knowledge that the assets would be featured on the NFT marketplace. He then sold them at a profit two to five times the original price using anonymous digital currency wallets and anonymous accounts on OpenSea. Not anonymous enough, apparently. And of course, we heard... OpenSea chastising their own employees for doing something similar at an earlier time. So this is not, uh, makes it even worse, I suppose. Yeah. On one side, yes, which I want to touch on in a second. On the other side, there's this formation of rules, right? That are starting to come together around NFTs and, and the perspective of the government on them. And to a degree, certainty is helpful around how they view things. We're not going to have 100% certainty on it, but it defines the rules and you can navigate rules once you know what they are. And I think there's something really helpful there. That was one of the big triggers, I think, coming out of like 2017 and 18 in crypto, which is like, what does the government think about this? Is an ICO legal or not? Like, is it a security or not? Like, what is this? What's going on? And that plus a few other things that happened, like the move of institutional investment, all these things changed. And there's something good about that. Yeah. I want us to say, add one thing there. Like, I think people knew that most ICOs were securities. All they had to do is ask any lawyer and they'll tell you, yes, it's a secure, any lawyer. Well, people knew insider trading is illegal. I think most people know this stuff most because there's a lot of young people in the space. And I think saying, oh, we didn't have clarity is a way to pretend you're ignorant when you do something wrong. Again, in most cases, I feel bad for those people, but I also feel good that at least people doing the right thing are being rewarded and people that are not doing the right thing are not getting away with it. So it's like, I'm kind of split. But I think it's needed. Like, I hate regulators as much as you like. People love to hate regulators when they're making money. Like in 08, in 08, everyone in financial crisis, I watched a documentary about it called Inside Job. Everyone watch it. Because then after the crisis happened, everyone's like, regulators, where the hell were you? Where didn't you protect us in 2018? Regulators, SEC, why didn't you stop all these scams? And then when you're printing money in 2017 or 2020, 2021, regulators leave us. We're printing money now. Come later when everyone's losing money. Yeah, that's part of it. You know what's weird too? Like, I have a pretty extensive real estate background. And it's interesting just because of the treatment of NFTs relative to, say, physical assets. Because if I'm a real estate developer, for example, I can do all kinds of things in the background. I can buy up a ton of property with the knowledge that I'm going to go rezone that property and create a, an entire town center that's going to increase the value of it based on my actions. In real estate, there's no insider trading. 
if that was a security, that would be insider trading. It'd be very, very different. The rules of the game are different with a lot of physical assets relative to digital assets or derivatives or things of that nature. It's just interesting to call out some of the differences there. And I don't know that there's like necessarily good reason for it other than precedent and history, but there are some meaningful differences. Do we hit the next hot topic? Yeah, man. Let's talk about Gary V. Just went to VCon on our minds here. He filed a trademark for Vayner 3, NFT consulting arm. So the NFT influencer, Gary V, is launching his own NFT consulting arm. And this was seen on a May 25th trademark filing. The firm will offer technical consulting in the field of NFTs, cryptocurrencies, and other metaverse and Web3 activities and assets. The company would be just the latest project on Gary V's growing list of NFT ventures, along with VFriends, VCon, which was in Minneapolis, and we attended, at least Jeff and Zach did, and Flyfish Club, NFT gated restaurant. Well, no surprise that Gary's continuing to expand into the NFT space and making its mark and taking advantage of all sorts of opportunities and consulting is a great business to be in. Certainly, he's one of those people that has a lot to share. Yeah, I mean, he's been deep in the space for a while now. And look, it sounds like a good thing to trademark for someone like him. It doesn't sound like a crazy thing to claim, like the word internet or web three, like Vayner 3, it's his own name with the three next to it. I dig it. It's a cool name. And I think that the balancing act for someone like Gary, which I think he's learning on the go, is the power and the responsibility of carrying so much weight with him as he moves around the earth. Like there was a moment in time where everything he recommended, people did. And that's precarious because these are small cap projects and they're very volatile on top of the volatility of crypto, on top of the volatility of the overall market, and on top of the unknowns that are associated with any project in the team as they're experimenting with all this new technology. So I think as Gary goes about this voyage of consulting, I think he's going to have to be really careful about the clients he takes on, about the promises that he makes, and about how he sort of lets his ripple effect impact the broader ecosystem, because there are great, quite a lot of consequences that come with the sizable force that is VaynerMedia. Great points. I'm also thinking Jeff is our resident kind of web domain snatcher. I'm sure he's getting Vayner 4 and Vayner everything else right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He already, already deep down that rabbit hole. I mean, look, dude, but seriously, like you look at it and you're like, oh wait, he just established the blank three program for websites, right? So that's now it's established. It's right there. Think about it, use it, leverage it, pick all the good stuff, right? Like there's all kinds of stuff floating around out there. Yeah. So totally. I don't know. I've got some. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, where are you going with it? I don't know. <laughs> Don't say Blender 3. Don't say Blender 3. <laughs> I was waiting yeah. for it. <laughs> I don't know. Vayner, it sounds like a noun that's going to take on a meeting at some point, if it hasn't already. Like it's going in the dictionary soon. Yeah. It's either like, don't be a Vayner, which I mean, that it has such a good sound to it, although he's such a positive guy. So maybe it's like, oh man, nice one. I don't know. All I don't know is they've got such an amazing umbrella of different like companies and segments that they're focused on. When we talk about, when we have like three different verticals within our organization, we got our tech product, we have our podcast and we have events and there's different partnerships and collaborations we do as well, but that's a lot, right? It's a lot. We got a big team focused on that. Holy cow. He's got like 10 legitimate subsidiaries of kind of Vayner X that are out there moving the needle in really big ways. People talk about focus a lot. And I think there's a, a lot to be said for that. But by the same token, this guy's out there making it happen with a big team. We've interacted with a lot of those team members, like very solid group of folks. So yeah, kudos, man. Like, I think he's going to make some waves there. I don't know, Mario, on this front, dude, are you, so you've done a lot in way of like advising folks, incubating folks, helping folks out, got a lot of rich knowledge that can help people in the world of Web3, Metaverses, NFTs. Is a pure advisory arm like in the works? Man, Vayner could do anything and he can make a lot of money. Like his brand is so powerful. He could genuinely do anything. Like another thing I've been proven wrong, remember when Gary started getting into crypto and I was already in crypto and like most crypto people like rolling eyes, like here we go, Gary doing it. Then he got into NFTs. I'm like, man, you don't even know what NFTs are. And then he launches VFriends. I'm like, that's just embarrassing. Come on, like silly cartoons, VFriends. 
And then he just proved me wrong. I've known, not personally, but I've known Gary and we've crossed path a long time ago. And I think my team has a call with him in a few days. Very, very positive interactions. But like, I've always doubted him and he's always proven me wrong. Just like so many things proved me wrong. And I'm just so impressed and humbled by what he's achieved and that he always gets it right when I always think he's wrong. It's insane, man. It's insane. But consulting generally is, is a good way to, I got into consulting in crypto because like a way to understand the space, a way to wet my toes, not the way to make money. It's generally in most industries, consulting is not the way to make real money. It's very hard. You don't hear a next billion dollar consulting firm, except in crypto because you get tokens. And if you're consulting, advising or incubating Solana, then you can make a lot of money. But Gary's Gary, and he's not going to focus on crypto projects. He's going to focus on Web 2 projects because they're the people that already are his clients and then move them into Web 3. So he's, again, he's on the ball with this. That's what we're doing. And it's impressive, man. It's impressive. Yeah, always, right? Always moving the needle at the forward edge. So yeah, I think that's hot topics. By the way, I think I'm sensing a new section to our newsletter called Mario Doesn't Get It. But this is the next big thing. <laughs> Mario doesn't get it, but I think this is the next. Big like, thing. I think if you want to tell me the next, like, I'm not that bad. Like, I think social tokens and you, if anyone wants the next big thing, I think social tokens is way underrated. Social tokens, tokenized NFTs and yield bearing in-game NFTs are the next thing. And then tokenize NFT, everything, NFT and physical assets and then flipping them. So I get some things right, but obviously Gary gets more things right than I do. Gary's killing it, man. For sure. For sure. But before we let you go, man, we want to make sure that folks know where to follow you for all the latest and greatest on what you got going on in your world. Where should we direct them? Yeah. Do you want me to link that into the giveaway? That'd be great. Yeah, please do. We'll talk about it as part of the entire thing. I give you guys a hack. Anyone listening, giveaways work so well on Twitter. I looked at every Twitter account that does giveaways. I'm like, that's cheap. My team's like, Mario, you should do giveaways. I'm like, I don't want to cheapen my brand. We did the first giveaway, $10,000 giveaway, blew up. And then we get other influencers to share it. So now today, earlier today, before this podcast, we decided to do a giveaway every 48 hours. And we'll do one just for listeners here when this comes out. So when this comes out, if you go to my Twitter, that's what I'm focusing to build, Mario Nawful, N-A-W-F-A-L. So go to the Twitter, everyone listening. I'm going to do a giveaway purely for Edge of NFT listeners. I've never done this on a podcast. I've done almost like two, 300 podcasts. So go on the Twitter, follow, turn on notifications. Josh, that's the hack we talked about earlier. You have to turn on notifications and then retweet my pinned tweet, which is probably a giveaway. And then if you do that within an hour from listening to this podcast, I know when it comes out, the team will choose one person, they get a $5,000 giveaway and we'll have to check where did you hear about us? And you have to say edge of NFT. And if you do that and you do everything I said, follow, turn on notifications and retweet, you'll get the $5,000 NFT and then you know $5,000 giveaway. And if you already have a lot of money and $5,000 doesn't mean much to you, we can jump on a one hour call if that means anything to you as well. I'll throw that in. Anyone in crypto Twitter is the best place to follow me. And I'm doing my big show there that I used to do a year and a half ago. I'm starting it again, which is like a a sick round table. So that's the best place. Awesome. Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for the generosity, man. It's amazing. All right, y'all. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome, then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Mario, thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.